up, party people? Wave your hands in the air. I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. And this is episode 152. Do I have that fucking right for once? Yeah, dude. Holy shit, I didn't even ask you beforehand. 152 of Fried Squirms. Katie Bird. Certifiably crazy person. Is that certifiable crazy? Certifiable, yeah. Close enough. Close enough. They don't list that subtitle on most (laughs) things anyway, I've noticed. Anyway, we'll get there. Before we get there, we should probably get high. Always up for that. So, let's go with our green hits today. It's not just a movie. I brought in some Pineapple Express today. Yeah, it's a real thing. I'm pretty excited about that. Not that fucking Snickle Fritz, son. (laughs) Got the Pineapple Express. I think traditionally grown from Hawaiian and Trainwreck. I always liked some Trainwreck. I used to get some Trainwreck back in the day every now and then. Peppery, citrusy, slightly herbal on the back end. I don't know. By this point, I feel like when we were younger, like, Pineapple Express wasn't around as much. By now, I feel like all these kids have smoked this shit. Like, they know what they're getting, right? Like, this has almost become, like, a mainstay since that fucking movie came out. Yeah, it's been, what, over a decade since the film was dropped. So, yeah, I would think people would be a lot more familiar with it now. But it's always kind of fun because of the movie to come in and be like, oh, yeah, I got that Pineapple Express. I ain't got that Snickle for the sun. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, it does have a nice taste coming out of your Firefly. It has just a little undertone of that pineapple taste. Some fruity, but uh, yeah, I enjoy it, man. It's a really good one. So I brought over some blueberry muffin in my vaporizer. And the blueberry muffin, it is a cross of one of my favorite strains of all time, and that is blueberry. And it's also mixed or crossed with purple panty dropper. Now, this one is a hybrid. It is more on the indica side. Kind of the same terpene profiles. It's loaded with the herbal up front, the peppery taste, so that's your carophylline. I think this one is the humulene. Uh, oh, yeah, terpene. you've actually been like learning terpenes. Oh, yeah, shit, haven't yeah, yeah. You? I've been getting nerdy. And on the back end, it has the limonene, so you're going to have a little bit of that lemony taste. Because I just sit over here and I'm like, yeah, it's this one tastes a little dirty. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just find, you know, my personal favorites tend to usually be the indica strains. And I've noticed that because of the mirror scene, you get that sedative, that relaxed kind of sensation, that couch lock, so to speak. And then after that, it comes down to like the taste profiles. So with my Indicas, I like them to be a little bit more on like the woodsy side, almost peppery side, which is the carophylline terpene. And then I also like the linalool, which is almost like lavender. So it's a little bit more calming, relaxing, stuff like that. Yeah, and so I brought some joints, which I've been normally doing the last couple of weeks. One of them I brought before, which is the glacier berries, which is a cross of the crunch berries. And I forget the other strain that that was crossed with. Yeah, where the with. glacier part of it comes from. Yeah, it's, you know, it's it's a hybrid too. Mm-hmm. So there's, it's been kind of watered down a little bit. Still a pretty good one. It's an indica. And the other one I brought today is a super sour diesel. And I do know the genetics on that guy. So speaking of the limonene, which gives you that creativity, that energetic feeling, that one's in the forefront. It still has a carophylline, which you're going to get that peppery taste. And on the back end, you'll get the herbal. Now, this one is a mix of the Super Silver Haze and Sour Diesel. Okay. And if anybody's curious, you can cross the Super Sour Diesel. And I've seen two of the strains that comes out of it. One is the Banana Diesel, and the other is the Super Sour Widow. Those are the child's of the super sour diesel so i like it you've seen the bud it's mm-hmm. pretty super dense. fucking dense 
Yeah, and I think it's true that name. You have a little bit of that diesel taste towards the back end, mm-hmm. but you can definitely tell that it has that citrusy, limonene, terpene. So, yeah, I brought those, and yeah, I'm looking forward to those a little bit later on in the show. Hells, yeah. Well, we're going to keep hitting this a little bit, and we'll head right into some guts and bolts on Katie Bird. Should we guts and bolts this bitch? You know it. Guts and bolts. All right, guts and bolts. Katie Bird, certifiable crazy person, 2005. Spoiler-free synopsis? Spoiler-free. Man, this is a hard one. So the best synopsis I can give only works if you also know Ichi the Killer. Because this is basically gender-swapped Kakihara goes out on a date while explaining her past. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good point. But if you don't know Ichi the Killer, that's not going to help you one bit. I mean, certifiable crazy person's in the name, right? Right, right, right. This whacked out chick is getting some and lays out kind of how she became that way. And that's kind of the movie. Yeah, that's how the movie unravels. So, I guess that's the synopsis? Yeah, it's definitely It's definitely not the fucking IMDb synopsis. Did you read that? I don't know if I ever did. What would happen if someone like Ed Gein or Ted Bundy were to have children and raise them to follow in their bloody footsteps? Katie Bird Wilkins, brought to life with unnerving depth and believability by horror veteran Helene? Yeah, Helene. Helene Udi explores this very question in a chilling and graphic testimony of family tradition, emotional confusion, and complete insanity. Uh... That's questionable, man, With when you're name-dropping Ed Gein and Ted Bundy in that. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Maybe that last part, like with the uh, after that sentence, <laughs> when it gets down to Katie Burt Wilkins, then I could say, yeah, you might have a, a little bit of an argument for that synopsis. Yeah, mine's better. I think so. The Ichi the Killer <laughs> one's better. Yeah, that oh, requires yeah. you to know a different movie. Yeah, but I mean, it's within the same frame, though. Like I said, just role reversals. But yeah, I like that. I think it's a good brief synopsis, spoiler-free that is, of what this movie entails. And of course, from week to week, we like to talk about our cast and crew. And I'm going to lead off with our director, our writer, our editor, and our producer. And that gentleman is Justin Paul Ritter. He's gone on to direct such films as The Gothic Tale, The Amazing Adventures of the Living Corpse. And I did a little bit of research because I actually own this film. But he also worked as a miscellaneous crew on a number of Roger Corman films. And some of those include The Wasp Woman, Alien Avengers, Humanoids from the Deep, and Street Corner Justice. Now, he was mostly a production coordinator, like a production assistant on some of those projects. But that's kind of where he cut his teeth in the business. Moving along, we have our cinematographer, and that gentleman is Josh Fong. He's also worked on some other Ritter projects, and some of those include A Gothic Tale. He's also worked on a film called Little Fucker and a movie called Doctor 420, which might be my favorite doctor. (laughs) (laughs) All right. The music was composed by Daniel Tuano. His brother actually worked on this, too. He assisted with uh, some guitar pieces and arrangements. But Daniel has worked on some other projects, including Desperation, A Gothic Tale, the movie Little Fucker, in The Adventures of the Living Corpse. The special effects was done by Mike Niesmer. He uh, helped with the special effects makeup and some of those projects that he's done alongside of that. Some pretty cool films, actually. He's worked on Doctor Who from 2005 through 2006 on two episodes. Those were Doomsday in 2006 
in the Christmas Invasion in 2005. He's also worked on two Hellraiser films, and those were Hell World and Deader. He's also worked on Idle Hands, which is oh, pretty neat. He's worked on Piranha 3 Double D, the film The Collection, which is another really awesome film. He's done uh, some work on Return of the Living Dead Necropolis and Rave to the Grave, the film The Prophecy, Forsaken, the film Madhouse. He's worked on Angel. He's worked on Babylon 5, Stargate SG-1. Bram Stoker's Dracula. So this is a pretty well-known name in special I'm, effects. Which I'm is really mostly cool. uh, surprised to hear that he worked on my biopic, Grave to the Grave. <laughs> uh, some of his <laughs> early works, this is really cool. He worked on The Mask, which is pretty neat. He worked on Meet the Applegates, Face Off, Gremlins Part 2, The New Batch, and Nightmare on Elm Street 5, The Dream Child, and The Blob, which I thought was like, that's pretty mm. tight. We have two other ladies on this. One of them is Misa Aikawa. And the other lady is Junya Mata. And they've done some indie projects as well. But they help with some of the special makeup effects while on set. All right, moving along, we have the production companies, which were iDigital Studios and Rapscallion Collaborative. The distributors were Heretic Films. They helped with the 2005 United States DVD release. And Shoreline Entertainment helped with the 2005 worldwide all media for this film. The release date was in June of 2005. There's technically no taglines, but on my copy of the DVD, I'm going to rip it off of there. But that tagline says, don't be afraid to love her. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. That's yeah. not too bad. Now, considering this is like a shoestring budget, it doesn't have a budget or a gross because it was like basically just played at film circuits. All right, so moving along, the cast of Katie Bird we have, which we have already mentioned, uh, Aline Udi. She plays the adult Katie Bird Wilkins, but some of her filmography includes the films My Bloody Valentine, that is the 1981 version. She was also in the films The Dead Zone. She was in the film Pin, and she was also a part of Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman, the television series from 1993 through 1997. Now, she's still pretty active. She's done a lot of indie horror films, so... If you start looking at her filmography, you'll see all those films. Mm-hmm. All right, moving along, we have Taylor M. Dooley. She plays teen Katie Berg, and she's been in some other films, uh, actually a television series called Rick and Steve, The Happiest Gay Couple in All the World from 2007 through 2009. She was in the film Something Blue. She actually credited uh, some voice work in Brutal Legends. I video saw game. that. She's yeah. some of the Razor Girls. That's hilarious. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. I fucking love Brutal Legend. Capitation! <laughs> I never got to play it, man. I was always curious because I knew it was Jack Black was involved with that. Oh, dude, it's amazing. It's I played the demo. It's an eighties metal album cover come to life, starring Jack Black. That's awesome. And Tim Curry. Yeah, no shit. Uh, yeah, Tim Curry voices the bad guy. Nice. And voice appearances by Ozzy and Lemmy and Lita Ford. That's fucking like, awesome. It's insane. A little tangent. I used to have the biggest crush as a kid on Lita Ford. <laughs> Not going to lie, for obvious reasons. Okay. She's also been in Mark of Love in the film Workshop. Another actress is Nicole Jarvis. She plays the role of little Katie Bird in some of those flashback sequences. Now, this is her only film title. We have Lee Perkins. He plays the role of Merle, Daddy Wilkins, in this film. Some of his other films include Foxcatcher. He was in the film Wild Card, the films Woodlawn, and more recently he was in the film The Domestics. All right. We have actor Todd Gordon. He plays the role of Dr. Mark Richardson. 
He's been in such films as Speed. He was also in the film The Immortals, Top of the World. He was in Point Blank in the film Bold Native. And actually, the last person I have credited on this film is Chun Hee Lee. He plays the role of Kevin Cool. And some of his projects include American Pie Presents, Band Camp, which I've seen actually a number of times. It's actually a pretty decent film. It's supposed to be about Stifler's younger brother at Band Camp. Oh, right. I know I've fucking seen it at least once, but it's been a long time. It's not a bad film, yeah. dude. It's, it's actually worth watching. And I do remember Kevin's part in the film, too, which is really cool. Art Jones, I should say. Uh, he was also in Vampire Suck. He was in G.I. Joe Retaliation. And more recently, he was in the American Crime Story television series from 2016. So that pretty much rounds out our cast and crew. You gave us a brief synopsis. We should give you some warnings, because this film definitely warrants those. Violence. Absolutely. A little bit of gore, yeah, or what I would gore. count as gore. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I guess there's a bit more towards the end. I forget about that end sequence. <laughs> there's a bit towards the end. Yeah, um, there's some stuff that can get a little gruesome. Sexy times. Yeah, there's definitely kind sexy of? times. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, technically there is. I mean, there's definitely some sadomasochism, things like that. Mm-hmm. So if you're not comfortable with that, yeah, you're going to have that. Some language, you know, just your typical horror kind of stuff. Mm. I don't think that the visuals of this movie are the kind that could cause a seizures. Right, right, right. But I will say, be potentially prepared for eye strain because of the way it makes your eyes pop around the screen. Yeah, for sure. So with that, because I mean, it's not really a spoiler, but... It's it, not a spoiler. It yeah. does use multi-panes or mm-hmm. panels in this film. So if you're not used to that or not comfortable with it, it can throw you for a loop. Yeah, I feel like that might almost be a bigger warning than the others, just because totally it's so different than yeah, the standard most I, other things you see. So you know, thinking about it now, I can't think of any other film that we've reviewed that used it throughout the entire film like this one does. No, I can't think of any other film that uses it throughout the entire film. No, not that I can think of. So let's find out how Katie Bird, certifiable crazy person, made us squeal and get more high. <laughs> How does that make you squeal? Alright, so we got Katie Bird. Okay, I'm curious. How do you encounter this movie? Because you're the one that brought this to the table. I'd never heard of it before. As far as I can tell, only you and Jeff have ever heard of this movie. <laughs> Alright, so, not that I haven't told this story before, because it's, it's getting probably a little bit old, but... Is this another library find? This, no, not no. A library. This okay. is actually, I was actually talking about this last night with uh, my buddy Jason, but during those mid-2000s, we used to go to record stores, find a bunch of fucking films like these. So specifically what I would do is I would read Rue Morgue magazine. I would go to um, Books A Million in Greenville. We'd get coffee and then I'd go to the back where the magazines were at. And I'd usually either pick out Fangoria, Rue Morgue, whatever. So it would give me an idea of some films that are Playgirl. Either, you know, what, what have you. I ain't judging. <laughs> but, yeah, what I was basically doing was trying to see what films were coming out, whether they were new, old, reissued, etc. Rue Morgue's pretty good about that. They, they mm-hmm. let you know and they give you a pretty decent idea of what those films entail and whether or not they're worth actually seeking out. So, I ran across Katie Bird through Rue Morgue. And because of the record store we used to shop at, they had tons of films, a lot of horror films. So, I could find them in there. And... I did. So there is a distributor that was releasing a lot of these independent films back in the mid-2000s, early to mid-2000s, and that uh, is Heretic Films. Now, they don't exist anymore, so if you go look them up, it's going to be a different film distributor that came out in like 
the 2010s. Okay. Teens, as opposed. But I do have a couple of films by Heretic, thankfully, in, in my case, because I do collect DVDs. But uh, just a few of those films are like I'll Bury You Tomorrow, The Bloodshed. Uh, there's a film called Head Trauma, London Voodoo, stuff like that. So I'm very familiar. It's just unfortunately they're not around anymore. So some of these films are getting a little scarce. But long story short, it's about this film around 2005. Okay. And it was one of those is like, this is, it's interesting because of that multi-panel and because, you know, the, the soundtrack pretty much plays throughout. But um, it was one I actually liked for a low-budget independent film. I was like, this is actually a pretty decent film. You know, it's one that stood out to me. And aside from like a few of the people I've shown this to, up here, just you and Jeff now are the only two I know outside <laughs> of myself in Montana that have seen this. All right, so I guess the real question now is then, you saw it before, impressed you. How long has it been since you had watched it? Not very. I want to say uh, maybe two or three years ago with Jeff, roughly. Okay. Because now we're like 150 movies into oh, yeah. watching movies every week. What do you think of this movie? I mean, I feel like Upon you still enjoy it. it but I do. Like, you know, has it changed it at all for you it, now? I honestly know. Okay. Um, even reviewing these films, it hasn't. I mean, of course, because we do review films, it's like you can't help but notice some of the, the glaring holes and some of the things that you wish they would have done differently. But because of the shit I know about this film, it's like I understand the reasons he did it the way he did it and i can't fault him even though you know it's probably not the best decisions film making wise i still enjoy the film because of, of the way it's told i think it's, it's a unique way of uh introducing these multi-panels into horror it almost feels a little comic bookish i mentioned that to you before we even did this so my opinion really hasn't changed about how i feel about this film i just i feel like i've actually learned a few things that i didn't pay attention to before because we review films now, so I'm actually getting a little bit more out of it than I did way back then. Okay. I overall enjoy this, but it's kind of low down on my enjoyment scale. I can understand. I feel like it's more ambitious than it is good, and probably worked better on the page than it ended up working on the screen. Yeah, which is... But I can see all the ideas there. Oh, I yeah. like the ideas. I also think maybe he shouldn't have been his own editor. Yeah, yeah, I think that's probably the biggest gripe. I think having someone else do that job, even with as massive of a job it would have been with this movie with the multi-pane, and I have a feeling he probably wanted to be editor almost more than director, because that's the way in this movie to really keep control of it, and it seems like it was his baby based on how many roles he was in the production. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Ritter. But maybe giving up that control to someone else because it would have made the multi-panes more consistent in what they were doing. Yeah. Yeah, if yeah. that makes sense. We'll we'll talk about it a little bit more, but part of my gripe with the film was the inconsistency with how they were used. Yeah, and I can understand that completely. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I guess getting into the film, before we even literally get into the, to the frames and all that good stuff, is prior to this film, Justin Paul Ritter was working, basically like rewriting scripts for a lot of low-budget films and whatnot, and he was like getting paid 500 bucks, and sometimes it would take months, and... You know, he was struggling, pretty much living in and out of his car on studio lots and whatnot. But he said it got to be about the fourth script that was handed to him for rewrites. And he's like, yeah, it's another exploitation film, like caught by day, stripper by night kind of shit. Mm -hmm. And this one was only paying a thousand. And he's like, is it really worth my time, you know, just writing scripts, not even getting credit for all, any of this? And it wasn't really what he was wanting to do. 
So he said uh, out of that frustration, he just sat down and, and churned out this script. And it was basically big fuck you, you know, to the industry itself. And he's like, instead of using these males in this kind of role, he wanted to tell it like the role reversal from a female's perspective. Mm -hmm. And uh, I can appreciate him for that. So his thing is, he's like, he says, just make movies, not excuses, basically. So he's like, yeah, he said he rushed into it, but this is what he wanted to make. And that's why his hands were all over it the way they were. But, I, you know, if, if he would have stepped away, maybe given it more time, like I think it would have been probably a little bit more impactful film. Mm -hmm. But uh, I can see, you know, the reasons why he did what he did. It's just, you know, in hindsight, it's like, ah, uh, you probably could have used a little bit more help. But, you know. So to start the movie off, it was a different time period. I was alive during this time period. Yeah. But I still want to say that even if you have the opportunity in 2004, 2005, to use those graphics at the beginning of your movie, don't. <laughs> Just a, a message to all of you in the past listening to this. If you're thinking of using those graphics for your, the logos of your production companies... Yeah, that was totally a product of its time, but yeah. Don't. And if you want to do the titling like that on your opening sequence, <laughs> don't. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, yeah, it's definitely not the most effective, but, you know, let him do his thing. <laughs> It seemed funny. Yeah. Because yeah. it almost seemed like if you could animate, like, fucking PowerPoint fonts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can totally see that. That's funny. Anyway, that doesn't even have to really pertain with the movie. That was even more towards, like, the production companies and not even, like, that opening title sequence. Because that title sequence, I was more distracted by the fact, like, oh, shit, this is way multi-paneled already. Because you told me multi-paneled, but I didn't know. Oh, yeah, to what extent. I didn't know to what extent, and I didn't quite know what you meant. I was expecting more not all over the fucking place, <laughs> Yeah, I guess. A bit more structured. I kind of thought it was going to be more like the movie was going to occur in like four frames, and at a certain point, like the frames would merge here and there and shit like yeah, that. Yeah, I know but what you're saying, yeah. That's not it. I don't know how quite to explain it. It kind of does whatever the fuck it wants to most of the time. Sometimes it's used pretty artistically, like in the beginning, even though... It has them right in relation to where they are to each other. They're in the different frames and showing the divide between them and shit. Yeah, yeah. I think it's also supposed to be indicative of her fractured psyche, but I don't think that quite works because it shows a number of things that she can't know. Yeah, good point. I don't know. Like I said, part of the inconsistency with it is part of my problem with this movie. Yeah, and but, I, can, I completely understand that. But I like the idea behind it. Like, it's cool, but anyway... It needs to be said from the get-go, though, that it's just the entire movie, except for a couple, maybe like 30 seconds worth of sequences, two yeah. minutes worth of sequences if at that, most, yeah, if that. are multi-panel. All Every, the way through, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And you're right, it's not structured the same way throughout. Sometimes you'll get two frames, four frames, six frames, depends on what the hell is going on in those sequences. So it can be a little And it's not distracting. all, sometimes they're layered over each other, right. sometimes they're side by side, Sometimes there's literally like a jagged bit going through yeah. them. Yeah, 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 you're right. So that's what I'm saying. It's that I think for most viewers, most reviewers in, in general, is that's probably the biggest gripe. It's just, I do like the concept. I think it is unique within itself. You know, did he have to use it the entire movie? For 98% of the film? No. But, you know, like I said, once again, I understand it was his baby. It is his baby. It was his choice. So be it. But. The thing I do like about it, too, is, it you know, it's telling a story from different angles, even though it's within the same scene. So, you know, if you like that kind of stuff, you can pick up different things, I guess, on multiple viewings, too. 
because it is so distracting. I feel like the second viewing of this movie actually confused it for me more because once I knew the story, right from the get-go, parts of this movie don't make sense because both, uh, fucking, what's the name of the dude? Mark. Mark, both Mark and Katie Bird at different times in that opening dialogue both say that this is the first time that they've talked to these events and he also says that he already knows shit about her and her dad. Right, right. And I think... Literally, like, he says, like... Yeah, he says something about her dad raising her this way. And then literally, like, ten seconds later is saying something about, why have you never mentioned him before tonight? But this is the night of his funeral. And if nothing else, she would have mentioned him between then and the funeral because you find out that he killed her dad yeah 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 do you know what i mean like yeah i, I know you're saying i feel like there's... there was multiple versions of the script where he learned at different times and then the script was combined at some point to get the best parts together and parts of that were overlooked yeah well you know uh <laughs> i think when you when you turn out a script in two days too it's yeah. like you're not given a whole lot of time to flesh things out you mm-hmm. know so yeah, I, that's what I'm getting at. I mean, there are some inconsistencies, but I think the the overall idea is there were certain things. Like I said, even when I was watching them several years back and then watching it now, I was like, oh, okay, this starts to make a little bit more sense in terms of relationships and dynamics and things like that. So what I mean by that is, you're right, beginning of the film is uh, they're returning from funeral, wake, whatever it was for her father. And he's basically like confronting her with her father and their relationship. But you don't realize that at some point, Mark was, it appears to be her father's psychiatrist, or he was involved somehow, knew some things. So he knows something, but he's he doesn't know the complete picture with her as well. She's, it seemed like at some point he might have just been fondling her and hypnotizing her and shit. I was about to say, that's the thing. That one of the problems is that we never find out how much he knew. Right, Which right. makes his statements in the beginning of the movie extremely confusing. And I think, too, if... If you if, actually listen to him and aren't still just distracted by the fact that multi-panels are happening. Right, right. Well, <laughs> there's a part of me that, because we've done a couple of these films now with, with people who... In this case, she's a certifiable crazy person. So I was going to say, so she's also... How much can you rely on what you're actually getting? Because it is fragmented. I guess, ultimately, I'm like, well, does this movie even fucking matter? Right. I know what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> In that regard. Because it's still because hers. Because if, if it's... Side, I suppose. If it's multi-paneled, because it's her fractured psyche, yeah. so we can't trust the movie anyway, then what the fuck is this movie? Right, right. It's just... Uh... In some regard, it's just a, a basic character study, perhaps, on this fragmented woman. and But we have no basis for truth because we right, never right. see the outside world. Yeah, you're absolutely right. We never uh, see a grounding point, if that's the case. Yeah, essentially, <laughs> it is just like you're just thrown into this, this person's world. Swirling chaos. Right, and you don't know what is real and what's not. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, when we're talking if about it If you think about way. it too much, you don't know what's real or what's not. In yeah. the movie, it, it seems to frame that she's telling him the truth because she keeps calling it her confession. Right, right. Her truth. Yeah, exactly. Once again, how much we can trust that, who's to say, but we should be able to trust some of those, her to believe some of those sequences at least to lay some sort of groundwork. And But even then, we get the fracturedness and yeah, I don't know. The fracturedness is okay if it's all the way through, if it's a, her broken psyche, <laughs> yeah. whatever, like, movies don't have to, 
I mean, honestly, like, what the fuck is the beyond? You know what I mean? Like, that's all fucking dream logic. Like, I can't shit on this movie for being all insane logic. It's just that sometimes the multi-panels aren't her fractured psyche. Sometimes they're showing things she couldn't know. Right, yeah. Like, for, I think, for instance, in that case, is, like, some of the things that Mark was doing, she couldn't have known that. Mm -hmm. Even with, like, her dad smashing and it setting her up to... There's but, certain things and like there's that. other times where it seems to just stylize the screen. Oh for yeah, us. no doubt. Yeah, I think specifically of uh, some of the shots are literally just set up to look cool within multi-panels. Oh yeah, like when she's fucking riding him towards the beginning, and it's that sort of weird getting bigger, and so it's like a weirdly gets faster across the screen as it strobes and shit. Yeah, that's not fractured psyche. That's looking cool on fucking screen. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. That's why I just think like an editor yeah, who because, was divorced from the feeling of the project, right? Absolutely, it, could have kept it more. There would have been more consistency. Consistency, throughout. yeah. And I, yeah, whether it's consistent one way or another, either way, yeah, you're right. I but think, blending them is is the part that you yeah. end up getting hung up on when you start thinking about it. Too I think much. there does need to be a little bit of disconnect when you when you have your hands on so many different aspects of the film, you know. It's not because the people aren't capable, but sometimes it, it is nice to have somebody else to help you tell that story that you both can agree upon. And I think the other part where an editor besides him, who is probably more worried about the feeling of it all, would have been helpful, mm-hmm. is I mentioned that this movie might give you eye strain. The editing does nothing to make you follow a certain point on screen. No, it doesn't. It's all over the place. You're having to jump all around. Mm-hmm. This one is just more of a hope, but to me it seems like there's a more clever way to do this multi-panel. Like, have there be a twist at the end of the movie, and then realize that all the way through some of the panels were giving you clues. Oh, yeah. I mean, I can see that. That would be pretty cool. Basically, I want, like, Ari Aster's multi-panel movie. <laughs> yeah. I guess is what I'm getting at. No, but it's... it's that it's one's more of a hope than an... You know, like... Now that I've seen this and I realize the yeah, things I mean, that you can accomplish by using this technique. There, there are some, yeah, there's some things that you can incorporate it where, like you were saying, you can tell a really cool story. And that's why I still end up liking this movie. It's very ambitious. It swings for the fucking fences. Yeah, for sure. But, yeah, I mean, but, you know, unfortunately there are some, some flaws in this film. And, I'm, you know, as much as I like it, you can't help but Mark's admit acting. it. Yeah. Mark, yeah, his acting's not the best. Some people don't like the father's acting, but I actually like it because if if you're looking at him as a serial killer, some of him has to be a little disconnected with emotions. I like him most of the time, but there's two particular scenes where he's supposed to show some sort of range, I feel, mm-hmm. and he doesn't have much range. Like, when he gets mad, he's not it, scary at all. No, it's, like, it is a, it's just a freak out. Yeah. Yeah, it's just a, a, an outburst. But you're right, it's not really overly... Th- it's I think almost it's supposed a little comical. To be, I think the scene is supposed to be more threatening. Right, I think it's supposed right, right. to have a much I mean, bigger she impact sells it, on but, her. But his, it is a little flat. I admit. She sells it, which is what why, may, why you understand the scene. Right, it's like that's why it kind of works, because she sells... You know, she's cowering a little bit. She manages to sell the scene. He doesn't. Yeah. If, if we're talking about... How do I say it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> If we're talking about actors throughout, I, I do feel like the strongest aspect is the female actresses in this film. Like, they really do sell their parts. Like, um, I do like Aline Udi's portrayal of the adult version of Katie Bird. 
I think if I had to rank it, I like Taylor Dooley's yeah. performance the best. Yeah, she's really good. Uh, followed very, very closely by uh, Aline when she's doing voiceover, but not yeah. actually acting. Her voiceovers are fantastic in this movie. Yeah, her acting. I mean, her it's not acting bad, yeah. is pretty good, but it varies. Yeah, depending on the scene, the intensities, things like that. Yeah. Then I would say the dad, mm-hmm. who is overall pretty good, but he varies way more than her. Yeah, he does. He does. I agree. And I would put fucking Mark and Kevin down at the bottom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Kevin does have... Kevin's uh, probably better than Mark, though. I, yeah, I, I think so. Kevin's better than Mark. Kevin has one line. Mark's this, down though. at the bottom. Mark was the worst in this movie. He, yeah, he doesn't really bring a whole lot. I mean, it's, you know, no discredit to him as an actor, but it, his character is just like... It, he's there for the kill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you don't realize that until like maybe... Well, no, we'll get to those scenes, but there comes a point where you know it's definitely over for him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, but long story short, yeah, his his characters just kind of thrown away. I feel like he should have realized it was all over for him way sooner than he did. Oh, um, yeah, he kind of seemed to disbelieve it up until <laughs> it was happening to him. Yeah, sometimes it's the only way she can make them listen. Once again, I am not impressed by dude's performance yeah. in the slightest. In the script, his character might have realized it before the dude actually showed it on screen. Mm. You would hope, but yeah. Legitimately, his character in the script might have realized it before he showed that on screen. There should have been more of an urgency, too, I think, in his character. like There maybe should have been a little bit more of an urgency in this movie. It's not (laughs) the longest movie, but I feel like it's still even maybe would work better. It does have some moments where it crawls. Short film. I think there's ways to make this more exciting all the way through and really tighten up a lot of it. Yeah, I don't know what those ways exactly would be. I think if somebody took a really good look at this, they might be able to tighten it by like another 15 minutes. Yeah, I think realistically, this could be shortened to an hour. Mm-hmm. Yeah, realistically. But I guess kind of like so delving into the film a little bit more is, like so the beginning, I know we talked about that. It gets to a point where I do like some of her early lines in the film because she's explaining like, you know, had she been b- born a boy, would it have been easier? And then she's like, no, because boys eventually become men. And men are scum, right? And from that point, I start writing down, like, they start to bone up on each other. Mm-hmm. And But she's using it. Like, you don't realize it at first that she's, she, in a way, she's kind of raping him. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And she tells Mark that she and her dad shared something special. And that's when she starts going to the story that she says mostly she her dad wanted her to understand what it means to be patient. And then you get... The drive with her as a little girl and you know okay, she's so snooping stuff like that yeah that's fucking pretty intense drive so the drive was one of the parts that was when i got to the end of the movie i thought felt weird when i looked back at it i like that the drive is in its own way kind of a fake out mm-hmm. because the part that seems most important in the drive isn't the part that's mirrored later on yeah right, right right and i'm okay with that idea like being like, oh, look, this is important. No, not not actually. This is what I ended up having a problem with is that the scene that they use to fake you out with seems to establish that a core part of Katie Bird's character is that she nurtures people and that her dad nods his head approvingly. Yeah, basically. It's like... Which isn't played into at any other point in the movie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that is kind of weird, man, but... I think some of those early things, it's supposed to give you the intention, like, her dad's 
trying to make her come to her own conclusions about humanity and how people treat each other and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But she takes it to a whole different level, <laughs> I think. But yeah, her father doesn't do anything to kind of intervene either way. Maybe I wasn't supposed to read into it so much, but mm-hmm. it feels to me like that kind of montage and that kind of scene is movie shorthand for, look, this character inherently likes doing good at her core. Yeah, I mean, you're right, because she helps a little boy out and stuff like that. So, yeah, you would think. When the whole world is picking on him. Yeah. She still goes and helps this little boy out. And this is a, the memory that she's choosing to tell. Mm-hmm. And this is part of her confession, so it's supposed to be part of the truth to this movie. Right. But but that goodness comes through at no other point in this movie. You're right. She has... It is that Except weird... I don't mind the fake-out. I mind the fact that the fake-out sets up a core component of the character that doesn't exist. Right, right, right. That disappeared a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> that was just that... Yeah, I, maybe early on before she mm-hmm. realized who she was. You know, it's like, all right, there was some good in me. But maybe that's the whole point is like, you know, humanity kind of takes that away from you too. Mm-hmm. And so in her, it probably unlocked that key to make her what she is, you know? What made her, apparently her dad's side of the family, what they were as well. <laughs> this is almost a little bit more of a case of bad genetics, because this movie kind of ends up just... Her being raised with an open mind equals that when she's shown her dad's murder shed, she's immediately on board for murder. Yeah, she's like, yeah, I always knew. I'm ready. Well, let's <laughs> do this. I'm down. Yeah, she's been, I'm down. Which... <laughs> You see yeah. what I'm saying, though, right? Like, Because it's not that her dad raised her evil. No. It's her dad raised her to consider everything with an open mind. Yeah. And to decide for herself and to think before she acts. Exactly. Like, which makes questions. her immediately on board for murder. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, he, he is grooming her in a sense, but in a way he's slightly coercing her because he's doing it on the property out in the open. Like, she does look in even though she might not see what he's carrying out but she knows you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so already she has an inkling of a curiosity right she has this curiosity that curiosity manifests itself because she does have that in her innately (laughs) and her dad's kind of like teasing her with it like a carrot you know and then like when she's ready he's like all right now now you're ready dad's character is weird because there's that other part later on where he's basically like who said i ever killed anybody I know he he lots of people got a fucking tool shed, (laughs) but I mean he does tell her early on though as as a kid he's like you know you're not ready tonight you won't be ready tomorrow but at some point you will be so he's already kind of setting her up for that in the long run, but um her younger self you only get to see a a quick blip and then it really ratchets it up when you get introduced to uh, Taylor Dooley as the teenage Katie Bird, so once you get into that sign and she's starting to have emotions. Right, for mm-hmm. Kevin and all that stuff. That's to me is like, okay, now you kind of get in a little bit more of who she is, what she's doing, why she has certain sexual things as well <laughs> that goes along with her serial killing. So, anyway, I do like that. I think to me, that's probably the strongest parts of the film is the teenage part. You get a better insight as to her, who Kevin's she is. Kevin's a dick. Kevin is a dick. What I thought was funny, man, is even back, way back when, I was like, that easily could have been me way back when, because I used to shoot ball a lot. <laughs> now that I was like hooking up and like looking at girls in trucks and shit like that, <laughs> but I, I was like, that's still kind of funny. A little trivia is the guy that he's like balling on is actually the director in the film. <laughs> oh, that's fucking funny. <laughs> yeah, I kind of thought that too. I was like, I bet you that's the director. Of course, he put himself in the film getting dunked on or whatever. 
But when she tells her dad, you know, that she's ready and all that stuff. I mean, they even have like that freak out in the car, like you were saying too. It's like you get the intensity and then she's ready. I mean, there's even the passage of, of the hammer, the phallic symbol, the role reversals in this family, mm-hmm. you know. So she feels comfortable with the hammer. And when she finally gets isolated with Kevin, it's like, all right, this is part of the film where I do like it. Some of the score a little bit reminds me of Goblin's score. I want to say another part of this movie that impressed me most the way through, I guess one or two moments, not as much, but the score for the most part was on fucking point. Yeah. Parts of it were super jazzy. That was cool. Some it, does it really like a little freeform. Yeah. Yeah. And it ran the fucking gamut, and I really kind of liked how it was used. Mm-hmm. It might have been brought to the forefront a, a little, little bit yeah, too, little much too much at times. Almost over some of the dialogue. Yeah. 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 It gets fragmented for sure. But I really enjoyed the score, actually. So Yeah. I think with headphones on watching this film, too, because I watched it on my laptop, was. Uh, it's actually hearing the vocalizations and some of the mm. the music is like, oh yeah, this is definitely like Suspiria, the garbles. Oh. <laughs> yeah, so it's like, okay, I, that's kind of cool. He, he's shown his influence a little bit, but bite me. <laughs> yeah, when she actually starts to do like that, like starts to torture him, I was like, first off, okay, he's being a little bitch, crying like that, <laughs> like getting out of his drawers. Like even if a girl was pressuring me like Dude. that, I'd still be a little bit into it. <laughs> The way Kevin acted through me through most of his scenes, because I'm like, first off, I remember being that age. Yeah. You're way more down for sex in the woods than he was ever. He's like, oh, man. He's like, let's head back to my place. She's like, how about we head to the woods? And he's like, nah, I think I'm just going to head home. I'm like, bullshit. No, no, ain't nobody doing that. Get out of here. Get the fuck out of here. And then she shows up naked. And he can't see what she's fucking holding. Mm-mm. Not that it matters at that point either. It doesn't matter at that point. <laughs> And she's like, you should get naked too. And he's like, nah, I don't think so. I'm like, bullshit. Yeah. I'm calling bullshit on this right now. He's going to be... Yeah, he's gonna, drawers already he's gonna been knock off. Himself, <laughs> he's going to knock himself out, fall, tripping over, yeah, exactly. getting out of them drawers so fast. Not at her approaching him like that. That ain't happening. No. But one of my favorite parts of the film is actually when they have that first exchange. Like, he's walking, she runs into him, he's like, hey, Kevin, blah, blah, blah. And she was asking him, or he was asking her about, like, did you see my shot and whatever? She's like, yeah, nah. He's like, uh, he said, you catch that after game refreshment? Like, (laughs) what the fuck, Kevin? (laughs) I was like, that is, to me, it gets me every time that scene. It's fucking so stupid. But I was like, that's totally some stupid shit a high school kid would say. But he drops that on her. But yeah, long story short is when he does finally fall over and bumps his head on that rock and starts acting like a little bitch, she finally gets that claw hammer and digs into herself. I'm like, oh, yeah. She's a sadomasochist. She likes this. She's freaky. Mm -hmm. (laughs) She's real freaky. It started bugging me after a bit that neither Kevin nor fucking Mark were, like, trying to fight in any way. I just let it happen. They're just like, nah, just leave me alone. (laughs) I know, right? Please, I just want to take a shower. I'm just looking at, like, motherfucker, she's handing you the fucking weapons. Like, yeah, Kevin, you could rip her fucking throat out right now. Yeah, she's practically telling you, like, do some damage. Don't be a bitch. <laughs> but at this point, you gotta realize you're gonna die, right? Yeah, but, I mean, maybe in her defense, she knows that they're not gonna do that. Because of the fact that it is that rule reversal. Now she has the power. And they're weak. They're not gonna comply. Mm-hmm. She knows that. She's fucking with them. 
But you're right. I think if you didn't have that power dynamic, yeah, I was like, she's done, dude. <laughs> she's done. Also, apparently her father managed to uh, keep her from the S&M community this entire time because, yeah. girl, go online. There's plenty of people you can find fucking do this shit oh, for you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, now it's like you run the gamut. And I know this is early 2000s. This that is like this is the on. heyday of fucking finding Look, sketchy ass hookups on Craigslist. Like, if they can do it in magazines, you know they have it on the internet. Get out yeah, of here! Come on, <laughs> come on, girl. Yeah, you can find some sketchy ass strange to fulfill your needs and fall in love with online. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now that we advocate it, but it's out there. Well, she's gonna need someone sketchy ass because she's hardcore. No shit, right? So. um... They bring old Kevy back to the shed. And I do like, you know, the fact that the dad's kind of like letting her know, even though he does give her that psych out a little bit. He's like, you know, you don't have to use this, but this is my first tool. And it gives a little backstory and whatnot. It's like, oh, yeah. But I do like it because he's explaining to her, you know, this is how I found my truth and how to get truth out of people. Did it seem like he was basically telling her how okay he was with her having sex for the first time? I guess, like, you know... To me, it seemed like it both, like, weird. a really... Like, I'm going to let you go at your own speed. I'm going to let you do your own thing. Yeah. Here's the tools. Here's what to do to keep yourself safe and shit. Mm-hmm. Which is good. Like, just make sure, like, you're, all you kids out there are, like, using protection and shit. Like, that's what you're supposed to do, right? Yeah. But at the same time, he's like, I'm just going to wait out right outside the door. She's like... And she's like, you don't got to do that. No, no. <laughs> it's about to get real creepy over here. <laughs> But I, I kind of do like that, too, because at the beginning of the film, she's the one who's the voyeur. And now the dad's put in that position. And, of course, it's going to be awkward because the role reversal once again. So <laughs> you don't know exactly how to feel about that because it does get freaky. Dad doesn't need to see that. No. But you're right. In, in a way, he's like he lets her do her own thing. He might be giving her, like, or suggesting things, you know, in a certain way, but... She's going to carry out the way she wants to carry them out. And it does get sexual. Well, and he gets all pissed when he sends her off to fucking get Kevin. Yeah. What do you say? Like minimal damage as possible? Mm-hmm. Something of that nature. Yeah. But while he's sitting there waiting, he gets all fucking... Uh, raging. Yeah, raged out and shit. And you're like, what the fuck's that about? You wish you were boning her, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> but, yeah, long story short, it really gets to... I mean, when you know it's makeup and effects and all that shit, I mean, it really does water it down, but... The tooth pull's pretty good. Yeah, I was going to say, once you get at that, it's like, okay, that's where the horror really kind of fits into this film. And the effect isn't as good as the tooth pull, but was more hardcore as her than shoving the tooth into herself. Yeah. That's where I was like, okay, that's dope. Like, that's a good fucking idea. If you're going to have a character like this, then yeah, go go for that. That's fucking killer. Yeah, it's like, I want you to bite me like this. (laughs) Oh, damn, girl. That's a little too freaky for me. But, yeah, I mean, she doesn't mind dishing it as well as taking the pain, you know? She wants to end up looking like the dad in Raw. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, like, poor guy. But in her case, it's like, she wants it. She actually wants it. In his case, it's like, that's like keeping this. something at bay, yeah. you know? He's like, I'll deal with this because I love her, but... I mean, maybe that was the kind of relationship she was looking in and all these guys. She just didn't know it was in Belgium or in France. <laughs> It's where the internet comes to play, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, shit. But yeah, she uh, she fucks up old Kevin, man. And when it does get to the saw part where the dad's explaining, you know, fucking old gal up because basically she's a whore. She's spreading disease. 
For all the time that we spend in flashbacks with young her and dad, I kind of wish a lot more of that kind of stories would have been told from dad telling her. Yeah, yeah. Because then we would have understood more how it impressed upon her to inform what's going on now. Yeah. But I I do like that, like, his story within her flashback had a different color frame. Yeah, exactly. That was cool. It it does kind of age it a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which is... I do... I like that, too. I think that's good. Early on in the film, thinking about that scene with Mark being the creeper, I was like, man, that's fucking... How long has this really been going on? Mm -hmm. And, yeah, like, how much of it can you trust, too? Because at some point, we do learn that he was hypnotizing Even as an adult, the dad was attempting to attack Mark, that is. And, yeah, Mark fucked up dad. So the only difference is is he didn't fuck her up. (laughs) You know, so long story short, once she finally gets into the saw and fucks old Kevin up to get the truth out of him, she does the same thing. So it whatever she's telling Mark in her teenage years is basically mirroring what she's doing to him, mm-hmm. you know. So that could have been like the template for her to carry out her future murders on these guys. Is like that set the foundation. Maybe she's telling him that like whatever I'm telling you from my teenage years is what's going to happen to you. I want to backpack up real quick into dad's story. Because what fucking thrift shop is he going into know, right? where it's like, yo, you can have that saw if you fuck me. Like, damn, I, I well, love this hardware store. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah, true value. <laughs> damn. I know, I, I ain't never been approached. I mean, I'm not saying that I want it all the time either, but I'm like, you're right. Damn, that was easy exchange. Right, I'm going to look at this busted ass saw. <laughs> oh, shit, you hey, want Mr. some? Yeah, you can have the box, too. You gave me some ding-dong. How about I give you the saw? Yeah. Well, didn't see that coming. No, no, no. <laughs> Damn. I love how he's holding it coming at her. <laughs> this fucking hacksaw, and he's not holding it by the handle. Yeah, I know. He's holding it on the, whatever you would call it, the curve opposite the blade, mm-hmm. and just pushing it towards her forehead. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's... All right. <laughs> I won't say poor Mark, but Mark had it coming. He gets his teeth yanked out, too. He finally gets his face sawed. If anyone had it coming, Kevin had it coming, but I guess Mark had it coming. Yeah, Mark was well, a creep. Oh, yeah, Mark was a creep. Mark had it coming. Um, Kevin, which is a victim of circumstance. He kind of had it coming. I mean, yeah, he was a dick. <laughs> I don't know if it warrants his face getting chopped off Okay, and all that, it but... didn't warrant his face getting chopped off. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, in the film, in the film, within the film, he definitely had it coming. He had something coming. Maybe not that, but he had something coming. Yeah. Well, he got it regardless. She was trying to give him an, an option. She's like, I like you. If you want to have this relationship, there's things you're going to have to commit to. <laughs> he wasn't willing. He met his fate. And same thing happens with Mark, right? The only difference is, is at a certain point, she knows that he's not going to give her what she needs. And she smashes his fucking face. Well, the Kevin bit is why I kind of liken her to Kakihara. Yeah. Because it's not even at that point that Kevin isn't doing it. It's that she can tell there's no love in your violence. That's what she was looking for. You're right. He's thinking of freedom. He's doing the, the whole actions, time. but all he, he's right. doing it for a selfish reason. Absolutely. And that's what it boils down to is she needs commitment. Like you were saying with Kakahara. And that makes perfect sense when you surmised it earlier. It's like, yeah, there's no love in your violence. If I can't get it out of you, you're just going to be another victim. By the way... That should have been the tagline for this movie. Yeah. There's no love in your violence. That would have been perfect. Maybe we need to submit that. (laughs) But overall, overall, right? 
I didn't realize this either. I was like, man, maybe I did watch it, but wasn't paying attention. But the after credits, or not even after credits, during the credits, is it still plays out, the film, where oh. she's like dumping the body in a trash can. Wait, what the fuck? Because I was already going to get on the fact that this movie does the fucking Lord of the Rings like three endings. Yeah, but no, it, what it does is after she scrubs and everything It has a really good... It could have ended as she bashed, him out, face. The, bashed yeah. him out the first time, and it kind of fades like it ends. And then it comes back, and she goes to town bashing him some more. Yeah, like, I her. Get it, boy? <laughs> and then it still could have ended there, and it comes mm-hmm. back to her cleaning. Cleaning, right, right, right. And, then and it could have ended there, but now you're telling... I didn't watch the fucking credits. Right, so... So now you're telling me it went on beyond that ending? Right, right. so after... Yeah, that what ending... What the fuck? You get the name credits, you know, the Just actors, fucking actresses. blow Frodo, Sam. She's, like, dressed in a skimpy outfit, and she's dumping Mark in a trash can, and there's a guy who's like, hey, Katie Bird, he's like, I want to ask you out for dinner. She's like, you're not my type. She gives him a kiss. She's being playful. And then she goes by this road crew... And the guys out there, he's like, dang, girl, you pretty. Right? It's like some old guy hitting on her or whatever. And she's kind of, you know, flirting. Mm-hmm. And there's some car accident that happens. You see this wheel fly by. And she just kind of carries out. She does look at the camera, kind of winks. And that makes me think she's playing a character. Like, her whole intention is to draw these guys in and, you mm-hmm. know, mince them up, <laughs> essentially. But she has a line. And it kind of makes sense a little bit within the context of this film is... She says the reason that she does what she does is, is that in hopes that a little bit of humanity will seep through. So she's doing it for Earth, like Mother Earth, hoping that there's some humanity that comes out of it for her cleansing the scum, mm-hmm. essentially. So it's like, uh, I can understand a little bit within the frames, but it is kind of a way. And that was, that was the one line where I'm like, is that supposed to be the line that ties back to her helping the kid? Possibly. I think that's maybe the loose thread. Because that's the yeah. best explanation I got. That's the only thing I can see in that. And that's, yeah, maybe, you know, it's just contextually is like you got to look for it, I suppose. But yeah, like I said, I understand that this film is, like you were saying earlier, like there's a lot of things that it would be nice to change about it. I do think it's super ambitious, right? I can't really tell you another horror film that's shot like this in terms no. of the multi-panes and whatnot. Is it the best film we're ever going to watch? No. Fuck no. No. I would still... Say, in my opinion, that is, that this is a better film than Death House. Better film than Death House. <laughs> this is still uh, better than Death House. Yeah, even though it's flawed. Like I said, um, you know, a couple of things in mind. Is like, super low budget. Guy wrote this in two days. He basically did this film with the help of, like, maybe 20 other people, he said. I might put this as more rewatchable than Belko. You know, after all these years, I'm still watching this on and off. So, yeah, I haven't watched Belko since we honestly reviewed it. Why? We can watch Battle Royale. Oh, Battle Royale. I'll watch Cabin in the Woods. I'm going to watch like Office that. Space. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I love all the people in that film. It's just, eh, it didn't really do a whole lot for me. But long story short, I think for people who do like independent cinema, something a little different, uh, like I said, the score, I think, is one of the stronger points in this film. It's really well done. The actresses do a, a really good job. And, you know, like I said, it's not one that really gets talked about a lot, too. And there's probably not a whole lot of people know about heretic films, even though they don't exist. But they had a, a pretty decent run of independent films they put out. Mm-hmm. Some were kind of, eh, but the ones that I did get my hands on are pretty decent. I'd say they, they fit maybe just a pinch above this film. Okay. Not a whole lot, but um, a little bit more cohesive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Like I said, overall, I like this movie. It's ambitious, but no, it's like, it has its faults. so far. Yeah. Ship. 
you know what, we'll record something just to put it at the beginning of this episode as well. So as we already mentioned, we won't be here next week, but the week after that, we should be back with a guest. Exactly. So I'll be in... Fingers crossed. I'll be in uh, Smokan next weekend, (laughs) taking in some tool, but yeah, I'm looking forward to two weeks from now. That's going to be a lot of fun. In order to listen to that episode, please hit subscribe. However, if you're listening to us now, that'd be super, super awesome. In the in-between... Since we know that you guys are going to miss us, uh, you can head over to our website, www.friedsquirms.com, and check out our back archive. Maybe catch up on an episode you missed, re-listen to an old favorite. They're all there. While you're there, you can also contact us, or you can hit the links up at the top and go check out the other shows on the Earworm Network. There is General Nerdery. You can listen to me talk about nerd shit with my co-host, Zach. You can hear Zach talk about other kind of nerdy shit in a much different way over on the Art of Wargaming, which combines Sun Tzu, Machiavelli, and so other awesome. masters of war from the ancient world with modern-day Belagarth and Warhammer 40K and yeah, how other awesome wargaming. So, and other shows to come, hopefully yeah. sooner rather than later. I know Danny's working on a project. Yeah, we've so. got some really cool things in the works, and uh, I'm pretty excited. It's a fun place to be as far as networking, so... In order to keep up with all of that, you can always check out Earworm itself. That's E-A-R-V-V-Y-R-M dot com. And if you don't want to go through the website at all, you can always email us, squirmcast at gmail.com. Find us fried squirms across all the social medias. I think that's it, right? Yeah, I think so. If I can reach out to us. Yeah, just let us know if there's any films that you'd like for us to review, whether they're suggestions, recommendations, and once again, too independent filmmakers if you need somebody to help uh, pimp out your film a little bit let us know we're always up for the challenge however you're listening to us if you can rate and review it would be much appreciated because that's how we get in the algorithm so yeah boy but for this week i'm tyler i'm danny fried squirms out <laughs>